Man Up, brought to you by Construction Professionals, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. Join Joe Stopulis and Father Zach Kowski every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. And now, it's time to man up. Another year goes by, more beers, more smoke. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting from the Mercy Live Up Studios, heard on 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, and 94.5 FM. Streaming online at iowacatholicradio.com and on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Also, the greatest podcast currently on iTunes. Father, you can, you're a priest. You can wow, only, you, you can didn't only, underplay that, you can did only, you? You can only speak the <laughs> truth. I am Joe Stopulis along with Father Zach Kautsky, and today we are joined again by Dr. Mitch Kalpagian. And Dr. Kalpagian, uh, we'll, we'll talk about we, part one, um, is a professor of literature, and we're going to have him on again to discuss uh, reading great literature. But before we get to that, let's have Father Zach open us in a word of prayer. We'll pray to the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, our first interview with Dr. Kabajian was going so well at the 17-minute mark when normally we have to hit a kind of a roadblock and move on to the next episode. We said, we've got him. Let's make we just kept epi- going. Let's, let's just make two episodes out of this thing. Uh, and so today you're going you're to hear part two of that episode. So what you're going to miss is you know us telling you who he is and those kinds of things. So I'll give you a quick background. So when I Google search, that's how I find guests on subjects that I'm making up, like reading great literature. The reason that we wanted to have this is if you've listened to the show over and over again, we tell you to turn off your phone and either listen to great music or read great literature – and we thought it'd be nice to give people an idea of how to read great literature. So in a couple of quick Google searches, I came across Dr. Kalpagian, uh, and it just so happens that in addition to writing books on this exact subject of how to help people read great literature, and he, being a college professor, he was a college professor at Simpson College for 31 years. So he has an Iowa background, he has a Catholic background. Uh, and, and he loves to read. And he loves to read, and he knows a lot about it. And so uh, we, again, were thrilled that he wanted to join us, and we're thrilled that he gave us two shows uh, to talk about this subject, because it's an important subject. Uh, and we, we want to share with our listeners the uh, the fruits of, of great literature. And so uh, what you're going to hear uh, in the next segment is is part two. If you want to hear part one, go to our podcast uh, and and look it up. It'll be uh, Reading Great Literature Part One with Dr. Kapajian. You can kind of hear uh, what we talked about in that first the first part, and then we're going to move right on to the second part. So stick around, and after this short break, we're going to have part two of our interview with Dr. Kapajian. Friends, what's the one thing you buy that you hope you'll never use? Insurance. That's why you want to make sure you're protected ahead of time. Your family, home, car, and business. Robert Coda and his team at Farm Bureau Financial Services can help make sure you're protected. And now for part two of our interview with Dr. Mitch Kalpagian on reading great literature. And Dr., I'd be curious, you know, you work, in the past you've worked as a uh, professor, you worked here at Simpson, 
you lived in Iowa, the great state of Iowa, the best state, of course. Um, how did you, when you were teaching, how do you kind of hook those millennials, how do you hook those young people into reading and kind of um, get them interested in reading? Well, uh, uh, I don't have any... Uh, you know, I think that the two, two ingredients that you have to have as a teacher, one, you have to love the subject. You see, you, if you love the subject, if you love what you do, if you put your heart and soul and mind into it, whatever it is, it's going to show. That's contagious. It's very contagious. Yeah. You know, there are teachers who go through motions. There are teachers who simply... Uh, uh, come to class uh, unprepared, uh, but uh, that doesn't that doesn't communicate anything. So, what did you, you know? what did you use to teach for young people, maybe eighteen, nineteen year olds? What were some oh, what were some well, works uh, that you had them reading? Yeah, you know, uh, I would always. Um, uh, I remember I taught at Simpson College for many years a course called. Um, was was a required freshman composition course, but I I, I uh, always selected uh, readings to go with it. I wanted students to write well about th- write well about something substantive. But uh, I would, for example, pose questions, say, "Now, what does it mean to be human?" Okay, you think you all know the answer of what it means to be human? Okay, so we're going to read some books that are going to deepen your understanding of what it means to be human. Because being human isn't just to, you know, breathe. It isn't to just uh, eat, drink, and sleep and be merry. There are, to be human has all these dimensions, all right? So, yes, there's the physical dimension. There's the intellectual dimension. There's the emotional dimension. There's the spiritual dimension. Now, these books are going to somehow... uh, make you think about these things, what it means to be human, and then to understand, by way of contrast, what it means to be dehumanized. So I would, I would, I would re- have them read books like, um, uh, the, we would do the Odyssey, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be civilized? The Odyssey really shows you what it is to be civilized, to be hospitable. Uh, and we would read books like uh, The Wind in the Willows, which uh, is also a book about what it means to be human, how to enjoy the simple pleasures, how to uh, uh, be blessed with friendships and offer friendship, and uh, how, how to be loyal to friends and loyal to family members. And, uh, and, uh, but I, I would always end the course by having the students read Orwell's 1984 mm. And Huxley's Brave New World. I said, "Do you see what? Do you see how our world is becoming dehumanized in the way that's painted by Orwell and also these are, and by uh, Huxley?" I said, "These are prophetic novels. We are living in an Orwellian universe. You see, we are living uh, in a universe or a world that somehow doesn't respect human beings as." having dignity, as being created in the image of God, as having an immortal soul, as, as having a, 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 a heart. Um, so, uh, uh, those, uh, you know, those, uh, 
if you provide good literature, you see, uh, see the problem with so many college uh, courses, especially in the freshman year, is they don't introduce the young to the best that has been thought and said. They don't pick those books that I described earlier as classics that help you enjoy life more or endure life better. They pick the politically correct ideological stuff that has to do with race and gender and class uh, and minorities. Uh, that's not literature. That's 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 sociology, you know. Uh, uh, so you've got literature you have to literature is it is of its own species you know it's literature qua literature you can't uh cheapen it you can't reduce it uh you've got it's the real thing and uh uh so you know students uh uh, uh Students like stories, and if you if you pick books that, of course, there are interested in grades. Naturally, they're always interested in grades. Uh, so uh, those who want to do well usually uh, study to pass. But it's, that's not my goal. My goal isn't just for them to pass, but the, for them to fall in love with literature. So you're listening to Man Up on IO Catholic Radio, and today we're joined by Dr. Mitch uh, Kapagian, and we're discussing the the topic of reading great literature. And you know, one of the quotes that comes to mind as we're thinking about literature and what it makes you do is Socrates says, "The unexamined life is not worth living." And how true that is and how literature forces you to reexamine your life at all times. In addition to, uh, you know, as you compare yourself to the various characters and put yourself uh, in their shoes, you're constantly thinking about your own life. Uh, and one of the, the greatest works, I think, pretty much unanimously would be decided upon is that it's Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, and I would like you just to, to talk a bit about that work. Uh, obviously, we're, we're on a Catholic radio show here, and that is the quintessential Catholic story, uh, I think. So could you just expound upon why that work is so great? Well, just think about the forces of good and evil uh, that are embodied in Tolkien. You know, he has these mythological characters, and uh, yes, they come from uh, the, the Old Norse, the Old, uh, the, uh, the Anglo-Saxon world. Um, uh, but uh, notice, uh, notice the way that evil is portrayed in all of its ugliness, in all of its cunning. And all of its lies and all of its treachery, uh, and uh, note, notice how, how how goodness how goodness is portrayed in terms of its innocence, in terms of its generosity, in terms of its willingness to sacrifice, in terms of its sense of honor. I mean, those are those are those are some of the highest virtues uh, that are part of our Christian civilization and. Uh, Tolkien has a way, without you know, without moralizing, without being didactic or preaching, but just by rendering the story as a drama, as a conflict, as an adventure, he really illuminates for you the depths uh, in which we can understand better the nature of good and evil. 
and, and friendship and sacrifice. I mean, you, you, there's so many themes that run through it. Uh, yeah. And then also he's a literary, literary master, which which helps in SARS just diving into great literature. Um, so I, I, I'm looking for things to encourage our, our listeners to read and dive into. Uh, another one that comes to my mind when I think of Dickens uh, is The Tale of Two Cities, which is probably the, the book that got me excited for the first time, really, about great literature. I just remember reading that and being so blown away uh, by the, again, the, the friendships, the self-sacrifice, uh, the, the language, that, just the way he paints the picture, uh, and then the evil on the other side. So it's like a, a much smaller version of Lord of the Rings with the good versus the evil and the self-sacrifice and the friendship. It's like you know 350 pages, so it's a much more boiled-down version of it. But again, you, you just fall in love with these characters, and then, you're, you're, again, you're putting yourself in their place, and you're understanding this story of of friendship and 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 people giving their lives for each other. Uh, so I would I I love that book so much. That was what got me me started in really enjoying great literature. And I'd be curious to get some recommendations from you of maybe the top five books to read before you die. Uh, kind of list if you could put one up there for us. Well, uh, it depends on your age. <laughs> Uh, you can uh, you can expound however you want. Go nuts. You can uh, give us well, an age bracket. You can do whatever you want to do. All right. Well, I I think if you are, uh, I'm I'm going to base this on my own t- teaching experience. Um, I taught a course at Simpson called the Classics of Children's Literature, and uh, you know a lot of students took it for the wrong reason. <laughs> I thought they were going to be reading <laughs> Doctor Seuss, Mercer Green, Green 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 Well, they just they just assumed it had to be easy. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they assumed the reading load could not be that challenging. <laughs> in any case, um, two of the books that I taught in that class were Louisa May Alcott's uh, Little Men and Little Women. If you have not read those books, if you haven't, those are books that should be read and taught in the high school years because um, uh, they have a power and an eloquence in helping us to cherish and value the family. Um, so that, uh, there's this one line there at the end, uh, when, the, when Little Women Ends, she um, the grandmother, Mrs. March, she's 60 years old. She sees her children and grandchildren around her celebrating a birthday party in the New England festival of that time called the, the Apple Harvest. And uh, she, she, she's, she sees all this happiness around her, the happiness of her married children, the happiness of her grandchildren. And she says to her daughters, I can wish you no greater happiness than this. In other words, there is a harvest to life. There's not just a harvest to the field. There's a harvest to life. Do you want to enjoy this harvest? It, this is the harvest of the family. That's a, that's a book you don't want to miss, you know. And then uh, when I taught a class for, say, sophomores and juniors uh, uh in the British literature, uh, one of the books I always taught was Jane Austen's *Pride and Prejudice*. Yeah, that's the last book I just read. Wow, you are really hitting <laughs> Did me you guys hard. That this is hilarious. It's I just finished that. Like just finished that last week. Yeah, but what insight Jane Austen shows you in, in her book 
all of the considerations that go into marriage that are important, and she arranges them, gives you a hierarchy of values. Uh, yes, marriage does involve money and and has an economic dimension. Yes, marriage does have a social aspect. It does involve two families. Uh, you can't ignore that. You're marrying into each other's family. You're not going to marry and separate yourself from each other's families. Marriage also has a romantic dimension. There has to be attraction. There has to be uh, uh, there has to be uh, a powerful attraction. Uh, but and then the last dimension uh, she illuminates for you is the moral dimension of marriage. You have to respect the moral character of the person that you love. And Jane Austen calls this esteem. You have to esteem the character of uh, the uh, uh, the person that you are considering. And the, the book shows you you can marry for all kinds of motives, but the, the hero and the heroine, Darcy and Elizabeth, they marry for the noblest and highest motives of marriage. What, what uh, insight that offers you into the whole book of love? Uh, and that, so that's a book I recommend, uh, you know, for people who are you know, dating, courting, getting serious about marriage. Uh, you, uh, there, uh, this is a very, very wise woman with a Christian heart and a, uh, with a great sense of humor also. Very down to earth. Um, uh, so, uh, 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 let me see. Uh, I, would, I would add in there real quick, one of the other things that I think, in, in addition to all those themes that you get out of it, uh, and just the you know you're, you're diving into these characters and, and getting all those truths that you just said. The language is beautiful. I mean, there's yes, just so I'm much. So glad you, there's so much yes. garbage that we read, especially in the world of Twitter today and and Facebook, oh. where it's these short, pithy, terrible sentences that you're reading. You're oh. reading these just the the dialogue back and forth. In in it's just awesome. And that's not just Jane Austen, but that's any of these books. Yes, yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, uh, as, a, as a professor of English all these years, uh, I encounter all these different so-called theories of writing, you know, much of which is pure nonsense. Uh, it, they just want something new, you know. They want to uh, develop another theory or another. But uh, one of the things uh, that never gets really proper attention is the fact that one of the best ways to learn to write is to read good literature and hear the rhythms of sentences, hear the expressions of great authors, notice the way they use words, learn new words, you know, notice how they describe things. Uh, uh, you're so right that, that, uh, that as our verbal... Uh, our verbal knowledge, verbal skills multiply when we read uh, great literature. I would yes. say, for me, one of the things that reading has done is increased my my patience. You know, I've noticed, yes. I noticed, because when I start reading, I notice that, especially in the first few minutes, how the attention span is just kind of short and all over the place. But I think one thing is it develops a deeper appreciation of small details and being able to slow down and be in a healthy way introspective. You know, I'm thinking about Hemingway. A lot of people complain, thinking about, like, uh, the old man in the sea. 
a lot of people get to the end and they're kind of like, well, what just happened? That was a waste <laughs> of time. You know? and, yeah. But I yeah. think a lot of it is just the journey. It's a slow savoring of details. Mm-hmm. And obviously people have different tastes and literature, but I think that's one thing that it hey. helps us do is savor life and Slow I think there's actually, there's actually studies that say that it, it helps increase patience. And, and Dr. Mitch, we've got to wrap the interview up, unfortunately. This was a, lo- a lot of fun. Uh, and we've got a couple things to, to wrap up on. First off, I would encourage our listeners, as, you're, as you try to dive into this, uh, start with a goal in mind, maybe. Maybe the, the first goal is read one book of Great Linda. Go on a top 100 book list and choose one of the books. If it's in the top 100, it probably isn't going to be terrible. Uh, and just start there. And then maybe next year or in the next six months, say I'm going to read three books or six books. You know, for me, that's, that's what I did. I started just, I started with six and I moved to 12 and I kept upping it and upping, upping it as it became more of a routine. Uh, and as I discovered more and better literature, the more excited I got and the more I wanted to dive into it. Uh, so how about this? We'll let you recommend two authors that we should go out and read. Well, you don't want to miss Tolstoy's Anna Karenina. That's a long book, mm-hmm. but it is uh, uh, my, my my two favorite novels. My two favorite novels uh, are Henry Fielding, Tom Jones. Again, eight hundred pages, but you'll laugh, you'll think, you'll be moved, you'll understand uh, that he really has a, a, a great Christian vision of the world. And Tolstoy, who understands love, marriage, human nature, man's temptations, really understands the soul. Those are two, uh, maybe you don't want to, if you're just starting to read and developing the habit and the enjoyment of reading, maybe wait a year before you tackle those two books. Okay, uh, I was going to say, if you're going to start with Tolstoy, don't jump right into War and Peace, maybe. maybe st- no, <laughs> not War and Peace. Maybe no. save that one for a little bit. Not War and Peace, Anna Karenina. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and don't miss <laughs> don't miss C.S. Lewis's book. Don't miss his book, uh, That Hideous Strength. Mm-hmm. That's a... It's, uh, that's he, my action. You are on top of it. That's actually the book I'm reading for October. We have a little men's book club, and that's what we're reading for October. Oh, you, you, I, I've you're reading great. some great books. I Man, wish I, you I wish this I is going really well. You could have named a thousand <laughs> books I've never read before, but you've hit the ones I have. Uh, Dr. Mitch, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thanks for inviting me. I'll, I'll, I'll come anytime you want me. I, we appreciate it. Uh, this is a really great conversation. We'll stick around, and when we come back, uh, we will have Father Zach and I kind of circling up the conversation on great literature. All right. Sure. Okay. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulis along with Father Zach Kautsky. And you just heard part two of our two-part series with Dr. Mitch Kalpagian on reading great literature. And that was a lot of fun for me, and he just so happened to name like every book I've ever read, so I feel smart. It's like you guys had planned it ahead <laughs> it was, of time or something. It was really? Are you sure you didn't talk to him before? <laughs> honestly, a lot like that. I uh, people listening to the show must think that I actually read a lot. I don't. I'm trying to, and it just so happened that uh, we happened to hit on every book I've ever read, and even the ones I'm about to read. So that one from C.S. Lewis, uh, that hideous strength, is my next book. I I have it in reserve at the library right now, and he mentioned that one out of the blue. I'd never heard of it until like two months ago. So. I went on the Amazon app while we were talking, and I ordered with one click <laughs> David Copperfield from Charles Dickens. So I just have to make that little confession that I was book shopping 
while he was talking because I was so excited. I so think you've really now inspired fi- some of our listeners. Yeah, and they're probably on, now on their phones. On their phones, it's fine. It's fine. You go on. Order Please some stay great, off your phone if you're driving. Order some great literature. It, you know, it's funny, though, Father. I was looking back. I There's ever a great quote. This is kind of a quirk of mine. I take pictures of books. Like, in, like if I'm reading, like, for example, right now we're, we're reading uh, Thomas Merton. If there's a quote I like, I take a picture of it and I save it mm-hmm. to a special place called Quotes, and then I can look through all my quotes again. There are there are pages that are David Copperfield that I was recently rereading because I'm it, and it brought me back to how enjoyable it was to read that. So anyway, I thought about that the other day. Here's here's a quote from for you. This is from C.S. Lewis, and this is from an experiment in criticism. C.S. Lewis says, "But in reading great literature." I become a thousand men and yet remain myself. Like the night sky in the Greek poem, I see with a myriad eyes, but it is still I who see. Here, as in worship, in love, in moral action, and in knowing, I transcend, I transcend myself and am never more myself than when I do. So I was thinking about that when he was talking, when we were having that conversation, was that one of the, one of the benefits of reading is using the imagination and also just that, that transcendence, getting outside of ourself and our own, maybe our own worries or our own hangups, and really having that adventure where we're, we have that kind of, I think, healthy escape. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to engage the imagination. We're able to, as C.S. Lewis said, kind of, in a certain sense, be every character in every story and relate to them. But also it gives us something to aspire to, I think, as men. So we read these about these heroes in these great works. And we naturally, I think, want to follow in their footsteps or we were inspired by some particular virtue. I think that brings out, as, you, as you've pointed out, biblical truths. I mean, there's a lot of, of, of truth. And, and the Bible does it in story form, too. There's a lot of great truths to get out of a lot of these stories from the Old Testament. But there's a lot of basically retelling of those same stories and re-unveiling of those same truths. Uh, and we talk about the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, there's bad literature out there, and we'd tell you to avoid the bad literature, but there's a lot of really good literature out there. And if you seek the good, you're going to be refreshed. I mean, it's – I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's so enjoyable to dive into a great, a great piece of literature. And there's so many things we do that when you're done with them, you just don't feel great. It's like a night of drinking, probably not going to make you feel great. Uh, a night uh, or looking like watching a movie and you just get done, it's like a, not a good movie. Mm-hmm. You don't feel refreshed. You don't feel great. A- if you read a great piece of literature, you are going to feel really refreshed afterwards. So, again, we, we had an awesome time talking with uh, Dr. Mitch. I would encourage all of our listeners to, uh, to pick up a book, put down the phone, uh, and, and enjoy the ride because it's going to be awesome. Uh, Iowa Catholic, Catholic Radio is listener-supported, so please consider making a tax-deductible donation today at iowacatholicradio.com. And thank you again for joining us today on Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. For Father Zakowski, I'm Joe Stopulus. It's time to man up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness with Joe Stopulus and Father Zakowski. Heard Mondays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Brought to you by Construction Professionals.